Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the game streams, website, and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining some access to some of the exclusive features in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 128 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on April 13th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at Benedict 9940. But first, let's go run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. We also have with us the man who has been said has the voice of a flower, an individual who goes by many names, Justin Sane 0516. What guys do you have on for us tonight, Justin? My name is Ben, Ben Edict. Um, it's kind of a reach. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, and no, I wanted to work the Cumberbatch in, but... Yay! You know, but you went with 99... You went with 99.40 ounces instead. 99.40 ounce. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's always a reach <laughs> when, the, when the subject is already a person's name. Like, that's, that's rough. Um, but yeah, it's great to be back. Nice to talk to you guys again about stuff and things and uh and things and stuff and i hope to go the distance is all i could say (laughs) (laughs) well next up we have our own master of social media the one and only green eye music lover green i hope you're doing well how's the week treated you so far it's good it's good i've actually got an audience in the room with me at the moment so this is going to be an interesting episode so you're practicing practicing live streaming literally yeah, kind of. Except for they have no idea what you guys are saying, so it's a one-sided <laughs> conversation. But yeah, my sister and her boyfriend came up for the weekend, and they're hanging out with us. We're going to go do some touristy type things tomorrow, and go up to Rocky Mountain National Park and do some things and stuff and things. You know, it's good. Nice. Good. Well, I know real quick. Last week we asked the community: Is Benedict? the original sweeper bot from destiny one. And I'm assuming that green has a pretty good collection of responses from what I saw over on Twitter. Oh, so God. I'm going to, I'm going to hand it over to her for, for the, so, the collections of answers. So the community feedback question was actually 
is the is Benedict ninety nine forty the same sweeper bot that whistles during the collapse of the tower during the homecoming mission? Um, we had some we had a actually bigger spread than I thought we would on this one. Fifty seven percent said yes, seventeen percent said no, twenty six percent said maybe. We had a few interesting ideas, either just like complete and utter utter devotion to shacks was showing up again because <laughs> you know you would need more shacks lady shacks lady welcome. shacks <laughs> um but some of the things like people had headcanon saying that they think shacks and zavala carried them out over their shoulder <laughs> or uh it's obvious that it's that it's the same type of bot or it's the same bot that we had before, or it's obvious that it's sweeper bot. It's like, well, we're going to get into it, but yeah, there's, it's really funny. It's just, people are like, yes, 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 or mm. it's either they're <laughs> really, really devoted to their answer on the whole thing, or they're just like, ah, uh, this is my head cannon. <laughs> I know I actually really enjoyed seeing some of the responses for this week. Um, and I know we always love hearing everyone's feedback. Uh, this week, actually, we are not going to have a question because as I, I'll kind of get into here in the intro notes, we're actually going to take next week off for the mm. podcast because I'm going to be going down and hanging out with Justin for some mm. stuff for some stuff in, in, in good old Texas. Uh, Justin. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like your brother's wedding. Yeah, that one. That next, my, my, that yeah, thing? that's that's next week. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, Blue, you gonna yeah. chicken dance with me? <laughs> yes. No, I but my son, but my son might like. <laughs> so we we uh we were trying on suits to make sure that you know the little guy's suits still fit because suits are expensive. Okay. Yeah, he's so, really let himself go. Yeah, I know he has. Um, but like the, the crazy thing is, is like for four year olds and for toddlers in general, that suit is the same cost as a normal size suit. So, uh, my wife and I, what we did is we went out and bought just a, you know, just went out and bought a suit, which is actually significantly cheaper. Problem being, we, we did that like a couple months ago when we were, uh, for my wife's sister. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it was a running test on the suit thing and that was i think i posted that yesterday um so yeah justin you you'll you'll have a you'll probably have a a very excited four-year-old to to do the chicken dance with nice (laughs) there needs to be a video of the ffc chicken dance dance. hashtag that oh man well um, real quick, I know, so I know everyone is looking forward to diving into the discussion, so let's run through our standard intro notes and then get right into it, and let's, Green, did you need to, did you have something, or are you good for? Oh, no, I'm good. Okay, okay, cool. All right, so here we go. In the last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed Asher Mir. 
If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful as they help us show up on charts and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you again. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. Note that next week we are going to be taking a break, but let us know by weighing in on the poll this weekend which topic you want to discuss when we get back. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at Focus Fire Chat, or within our Discord server. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of tonight's topic, and this is what she had to say. An interesting side effect of working within a world where we are on the edge of historical importance is that for characters like Benedict, there are no prior records, since his own adaptation is assumed to be recent. The only clues we have are from him directly, and thus the reliability of said statements are tenuous at best. But we are not without any context in this discussion. There were a limited number of frames designated 9940 in the Grimoire, and it is with their history we can piece together this current mystery. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about Benedict 9940, however, let's take a look at this week's Lost Lore. So I think uh, I think the best actually lost lore for this one is actually a topic that you mentioned directly right there, Green, um, and also the I, <clears throat> excuse me. I also saw a small conversation about it on Twitter. Is you know the difference in the the numbering schemes of the models of frames and. To, to be honest, we we don't really know uh, what what the point of the different numbering process is. Uh, we do know that there are two predominant model, I guess models. I guess is the easiest way to describe them, and that is the ninety nine forty and the fifty five thirties. Um, real quick, the fifty five thirties. Let's just go. I guess numerically, fifty five thirties. The basic difference is that these you can see the difference in what what I guess you would call the head. Uh, a 5530 has a flat-topped head with a very small circular eye, and a 9940 has a more typical humanoid-shaped head, and they usually have a larger square eye. Um, and we're going to get into Benedict's 
particular difference, even from the other 9940s, you know, in the in the episode. But we actually do have a good number of frames in both designations throughout the game. Uh, most of the 5530s, actually, I think everyone except for Roni uh, is a postmaster. So predominantly, your 5530s are. It seems like they're a little bit less autonomous, I guess you could say. Uh, there, There is uh, a really funny one, uh, Gabby, actually has a nickname Lefty because apparently Gabby really likes the wolves of the Iron Temple. Yeah, and, that's uh, where she's at most of the time. Yeah, so so the, the mechanics and the Iron Temple nicknamed Gabby uh, Lefty because apparently it likes getting close. It likes getting too close to the wolves a lot during feeding time. Um, but like, and so you have on the 5530s, you have Darby, Gabby, Caddy, Cynthia, and then Roni. And the only one of those that is not a postmaster is Roni, who is the Vanguard quartermaster and who is the brunt of a lot of practical jokes from Cade. Uh, the Cade is constantly like trying to trick into doing stuff. Um, and then the one that a lot of people will probably be familiar with with 5530s is actually Caddy. Uh, that is the postmaster that's in the tower. And I believe, I didn't get a chance to confirm this, but I believe Caddy is still with us in Destiny 2 as the postmaster. Do, do you guys know off the top of your head? Is, Caddy is, was at the farm, wasn't she? I think, Kat, yeah, I think Caddy's at the farm. No, Darby's or, at the farm. I, Darby's oh. at the farm? I need to go back and look then. I don't I, know I have I have listed... Is. Yeah, I have listed Darby. So Darby's the postmaster in the farm. Gabby or Lefty is postmaster in Iron Temple. Caddy is the postmaster in the tower. And then Cynthia was the postmaster in the Vestian outpost. And then Roni is the quartermaster. Logging back in. I'll verify <laughs> but, in a second. Yeah, I guess my question on that is like, I can't remember. I know Caddy was, I'm pretty sure Caddy was the original postmaster. So I'm just curious if we kept Caddy or if we got another another name um so while while green checks that real quick i'm going to jump to 9940s this is a this is also another frame so there's a difference between frames and exos which we'll we'll get into a little bit here but or a little bit in it a little bit here um but the 9940s that we do know about are archite benedict dahlia berg micah and xander now, the first three, I'm going to set aside for just a second. The last three, which are Berg, Micah, and Xander, excuse me, those are all bounty trackers. Uh, Berg is the bounty tracker from Vestian Outpost. Micah is the bounty tracker in the Iron Temple. And then we also have Xander, who was the original bounty tracker in Destiny. Uh, we do not have a bounty tracker in Destiny 2, so Xander is, I'm not sure if Xander's still around or not. Um, but the other thing, and this is going to, we're going to go back to the first three. So Archite and Dahlia are actually red jacks. Uh, Archite is also the crucible quartermaster. Dahlia and Archite are both, uh, some of the, if not the original frames that Shax interacts with, uh, they are his per- they're, they're labeled as his personal combat frames. Um, they're the first assigned to him. Yeah, well, and the, and the only reason I hesitate to say that definitively is that Dahlia's designation is Unit 07. So I think they were part of the first crew. I don't know, like, I don't know. I think Archite's designation while he was in the field was 
either 00 or 01. I'm trying right. I'm remembering off the well, top of my head. They were part of the original crew that right. went with yeah. them, is what I'm saying. They're oh, not yeah, the yes. replacement Red Jacks. They're right. some of the originals that went And Dahlia is a frame that we... Thank you, Trigger. Um, yeah, Trigger, thank you. Kadi, Kadi is still at the tower. Okay, perfect. Um, Dahlia is the current alpha designate of the Red Jacks. Um, and this is this is the frame that the mechanics refer to as the um, oh god I just blanked on is it the the antiquity I believe I don't I want to say her nickname is the antiquity like and they they're like I think the 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 phrase about her is like there's more there's more fallen blades and bullets in her chassis than. <laughs> Oh yeah, like she's, it, like she's just oh. she's kind of the old old horse. So well, sure. and the interesting thing with Dahlia is that uh, there is also a note that Dahlia's programming is super resistant to being overwritten. Oh. Um, and if she comes in contact with other Red Jacks, her programming overrides them. Like she she like her presence will actually override the 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 prerogatives of other red jacks and we're going to get into that too because there's there's a there's a scannable that that's a very interesting one with dolly and archite especially um which brings us to really really brings us to benedict himself so uh green did you have did you jump into the farm uh no i was heading to the tower okay because i was gonna yeah um uh, who was it trigger trigger, got to trigger it before yeah. I did, so okay so Cadi is, is at the tower perfect okay so we good to you want to jump into benedict that kind of is the the 9940 that we have on on tonight's major focus yeah. so right. are we doing the who what where we yes can? let's do the let's do a quick uh biography run or biography little set aside for him so, Benedict 44, or Benedict 9940, I've been calling him Benedict 44 all week, and I don't know why. But um, <laughs> Benedict, maybe it's Benedict Cumberbatch's age. I have no idea. I don't mm. know from. But Benedict, That's strange. a sweeper bot, a yellow sweeper bot, and this is actually important because I went back into D1 and checked the sweeper bot that's in between the plaza area and the hangar is orange in d1 the only yellow sweeper bot we had in d1 was the one that showed up during the uh festival of the lost event but so who was voiced by one and only cortana yeah but the voicing in d2 is different correct yeah uh benedict 9940 is a yellow bot or at least pretends to be a sweeper bot or has programming to act like a sweeper bot he is a frame that is loyal to the emperor callus there's lots of little voice lines and he is the rim vendor rep for the raid essentially you're going to get stuff from him if you get raid tokens he is hidden beneath hawthorne and actually beneath he's pretty much directly beneath hawthorne but you have to go down two levels so if you're going to run between Icor and the uh, New Monarchy Faction Rep, Hideo, he's, there's actually a hallway you can go down and go down some stairs, and he'll be down there. 
when he appeared is right when the Leviathan raid released. He is the second sweeper bot to show up in the D2 tower. The only other sweeper bot, and I went through and double-checked this, the only other sweeper bot that is in the D2 tower is between the main plaza area and the bazaar, which is where Benedict shows up later. And he was why he acts so weird and creepy with the red eye is he was reprogrammed, or at least we believe he was reprogrammed by Callus. He was reprogrammed for sure, but whether or not it was by Callus, I still think is slightly debatable. And that's something I'm going to bring up as far as theory of mind a little bit later. But that's kind of the who, what, where, when, why for Benedict. I think we're going to dive a little bit more into kind of the history behind the frames and why Benedict being who he is now is a little unnerving beyond the fact that he appears to be a traitor, quote unquote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the question, the question that I have on that entire concept is too, is, and Justin and I are kind of having a side on our note or our chat right now about something along the same lines is like when, when it comes to frames and it comes to, I, I mean, exos are, Exos are a different kind of topic, but like frames, especially because of the way that frames are kind of explained, you know, the concept of gender, the concept of even a degree of free will, I, I kind of hesitate to ascribe to that particular like view. Um, and that's all to go back to kind of your comment about, you know, the Benedict as a traitor. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't. I hesitate to call him a. I hesitate to call Benedict a traitor because frames are, with a, with very few exceptions, frames are always portrayed as being a hundred percent dictated by their by their base program. Like there's not a. Um, they have the capacity for like machine learning to a degree, and I'm, we'll we'll talk about that in just a second when we compare well, tower frames mm-hmm. to reframes. I but, can debate that too. Right? No, 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 no. And yeah, Justin, I know you had something. Yeah, go for it. Oh no, I was just gonna say uh, <clears throat> the. I think the the reference to Benedict as a traitor, and I think everyone knows the Benedict that mm-hmm. most people have in mind when they speak of Benedict as a traitor. I think the traitor um, tag is mostly symbolic. I mean, I would I would liken a subverted frame to um, uh, requisitioned uh, equipment more than I would, you know, like a, a, a turned spy. Like um, he's, he's not at the level of sentience to betray a loyalty that, that I think is required for him to have betrayed someone. Uh, I would almost agree with you both on that one. I actually will disagree with both of you for sure. And this is, I feel kind of a rare thing for me to say, but, but, um, and this is actually coming from the voice lines from the festival lost in 2016. Mm -hmm. They, at least that sweeper bot in particular had some very, very existential, thoughts true with the beyond a directive yeah i mean there were beyond just the i'm missing my broom thing there's like things like life is meaningless uh 
there's just a lot of despair and emotion brought into it, which makes me feel like besides the directive thing that he was missing his broom part of the time, or actually she was missing her broom. I know he and she is still kind of a fluctuating type thing, but there, there seems to be more than just a, they're just a robot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, it's definitely more than a robot, but, um, I think I think a frame, and this is just my feeling. This is not fact or confirmed in any way, shape, or form. But I think a frame is much more constrained by its by its base programming than say a a full fledged EXO, mm-hmm. um, because the EXO has a somewhat organic capacity to to grow and exponentially. Um, multiply you know the number of emotional and intellectual connections it can make between subjects uh whereas a frame i think is much more if the way i think of a frame is like the difference between a frame and an exo i think of a frame like pong like you've got this little ball bouncing between these two paddles small box right right unpredictable things can happen between the two paddles you know, that you might not expect, but it's all happening in this small window, this small, um, and I was totally doing my hands like the pong paddles the whole time I was talking about that. So, <laughs> but, um, an EXO is much more like an open world RPG where, you know, it's, there's a lot more room for, for things like emotion and, and more human like characteristics to kind of be fostered and i'm not saying that they're just you know appliances i'm just saying it, it would be really hard for me to to term <clears throat> a frame as a trader when you know i view a frame a lot like i view uh a rumba oh yeah i don't the assigning the trader thing it is uh, oh, it, it's very it's much awesome. so it's it's name, awesome, but... right? But it's also very much so more because of the naming convention that they gave him, the Benedict Arnold type bot. That also, who gave did... him that name? Right. <laughs> Is Callus well read on the American? What's going on here? Well, but I think somebody else might be. But that's a, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, again, but that brings later. yeah. But that brings up a. a... I mean, so I guess this is where I'm going to jump in just real quick because I I view frames and actually this is, this kind of bleeds into reality too, because we, we, we have a word for this, this phenomena and that's to anthropomorphize things. Um, and that is to literally attribute human personality or human thought to things that are not human uh whether that be a thing or an animal uh a very common example is the easter bunny is an anthropomorphized rabbit uh you see this a lot in like looney tunes cartoon you know like this is a very very popular thing um and as we kind of trans and this is kind of taking a step into our our reality for a second you know as we step into an age where you have a lot more um artificial intelligence you have a lot more software that is being built for machine learning it's an important distinction to keep in mind that 
at the end of the day, these particular aspects are not human. They don't have yeah, as right. weird as as weird as but it is to say, use. they don't they don't have the pers- they don't have the ability to feel uh emotion. Now, to step back into Destiny, this is obviously where fiction, you know, comes in and I and I understand and I I get what you're saying and I guess I I struggle with this because you know, I I don't know if this is Bungie as a writer kind of having fun, you know, like having like, you know, joking with us. But um, but at the same time, I don't I don't know if Frank because like there, there's a difference between, you know, a a robot that can have a sense of frustration, like with your with what you're saying with the sweep robot. I completely get that. But at the same time, when you when you see the frames, um, you also see the reframe. I, I I keep going back to the reframes because, and let me let me pull up the grimoire card with this real quick because I think this will maybe um, help a little bit. Uh, it's and this is this is grimoire from Destiny One. It's reframes, and it says many of the reef's oldest frames were salvaged from cargo ships that washed up on the reef hundreds of years ago in the city. And this is green. I I think. And I'll, I'll let you correct me here if I'm wrong, but I think this is kind of what you're saying. Um, and it goes on to say, in the city, frames are equipped with a basic learning capacity, able to mimic behavioral and personality quirks. Not so in the reef. There, frames are seen as computers with robotic appendages, no more, no less. The reef cryptarchy is careful to back up and encrypt all data stored on frames and to wipe the frames processors on a regular basis. So frames in the reef are much more uh, uh they're 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 seen much more as that kind of that you know appliance they're a tool they're not a person they're not this and that whereas in the tower it kind of is it, it they're they're given like this kind of like uh acceptance of self a semantics thing that we're arguing and, th- and that's possible and that's why i wanted i wanted to make sure if i was missing i wanted to make sure that i was mm-hmm. understanding that so the i mean the concept of a traitor is if you take it to the bare bones of it it is literally somebody who trades sides and helps the other side right that's like right. the bare the bare bones of it whether or not they're any traitor is not going to necessarily be vindictive in it. They may be a traitor via because they were pushed into it or forced into it in various ways. They're still a traitor because they changed sides. That doesn't mean that they were vindictive in how they're doing it. Or there's examples, many examples in history where that has happened where mm-hmm. they don't start out trying to be vindictive and changing and um causing issues because they want to cause chaos a lot of times they're doing it because they're trying to save family members or they were coerced in other ways so sweeperbot being a traitor yes sweeperbot didn't necessarily have the i guess the emotional consciousness to be able to make that decision necessarily to become a traitor but he was still coerced and changed in a way literally he was reprogrammed to be on the other side while still gathering information from our side. Mm-hmm. That's all that I mean by traitor. I don't yeah. necessarily mean that he consciously switched sides because he's being mm-hmm. a big, big 
jerk bag. He's no, and he's I think old. I think and I'm gonna let Justin speak real quick, but I, I think that I think our or my at least hair splitting is coming down to the idea of like to betray a side implies that you have the ability to take sides. And I think yeah. the frames, you know, I, my argument to that is that I don't think traitor is, I, I, I think, I think you're right. Great. I think we are splitting hair semantically. Um, but I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I love it. But I think the, the problem that I have with the, the referring to, you know, him as a traitor is that I don't even know if frames in and of themselves, like just, any frame in themselves, like when you when you say traitor, that means that you were on a side to begin with. And I think frames, it's like a uh, it's like a vacuum cleaner. And I, I know that's a gross oversimplification, well, but like I, their their purpose is to help our side. I mean, it's it would be like I guess saying that a smart smart bomb type thing being stolen and used for the other side cannot necessarily be called a traitor Mm -hmm. because it's still just a tool, but I don't know. I, it's hard to argue the semantics of it if there's no personality, but there is somewhat of a personality. Right. And that's, yeah. It's yeah. It's just really, it's splitting hairs. It is. Because we're on the cusp of actual personalities with AI almost AIs. They're not quite AIs at that point. Yeah, I kind of I kind of think in frames what what we see as personality is actually a is is actually what we perceive to be personality in some of our AI in in our everyday life. Like say for example Siri or Alexa and some of these other AI programs that react and interact with you verbally what we perceive as being personality that's imparted by inflection of voice and a voice actor giving this thing lines is not personality. It's, it's just the, the random set of um, pre-programmed responses that yes, there are thousands of permutations of that. And over time, um, even those very limited dumb AIs will will kind of adapt to you, but the, we we kind of assign personality to it where there isn't any, and and we are splitting hairs. And I I, I just wanted a chance to split my own hair. So <laughs> <laughs> basically, I I I think that if someone beats me up and steals my toaster. Every piece of toast that that toaster makes for the guy who beat me up is not a betrayal. Like, um, I think, I think um, beings that are incapable of having principles, allegiances, uh, and emotions are incapable of betraying anything. Like the only thing Benedict could betray um, is his programming. And he's incapable of that at present. Yeah, that might I mean, be completely way off base too. I mean, that's just my that's kind of left field. Well, and you know, kind of like uh-huh. what uh, Pins is bringing up in chat right now is you know the the laws of robotics. You know, and we've we've kind of danced around this particular topic 
in regards to Destiny's AI and Destiny's frames and all that uh, multiple times, you know, especially with exos and stuff like that. Um, and green, I, I agree. You know, we don't really have an example. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading out of chat for those of us on the for those of you on the podcast. Green responded with, you know, there was no example of the three laws being part of this world and in regards to destinies. Um, and I kind of agree with that because the, the thing is, is like, you know, Asimov's law of robotics is, uh, is a very common threshold for that. And let me see if I can pull them up real quick to make sure that I don't butcher them. But, you know, I think that the, um, the the portrayal of Asimov's three laws. And I mean, like, and this is all, you know, and then and that's just the three laws. You know, you have the zeroth law also, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, the one that we particularly got into a while back. But uh, the first, so like the three laws of robotics, according to Asimov, uh, is the first one is a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Second law is a robot must obey, obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And then a third, the third, blah, the third law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. Um, and this is this is all uh, built around, like I said, Isaac Asimov's uh, short fiction. Um, and then later, actually, Asimov himself made slight modifications. And, you know, this is during the beginning of the era of really science fiction. So really good books, by the way. If you haven't read any of Asimov's, you need to fix that immediately. Um, Ultron but- read, read none of those. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> There's your Disney reference. Um, yeah. So so then uh, later, actually, I think it was a number of years later uh, when Asimov kind of expanded robotics in his in his own works from beyond just like androids uh, into to robots that had been, you know, like government level and whole planet civilization level uh entities he added a fourth or what's called the zeroth law and this one is one that precedes the others and it says a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm uh and so there's and there's a lot of like there's a lot of ethical Uh. philosophical debates around these laws um they're quoted all the time when it comes to ai uh, and, and so, like, there's, there's just, there's a lot, a lot you know of debate about that. Did to the algorithm, you know, what he just, yeah, did? yeah, with the, the zeroth law, chart. yeah, yeah, the zeroth the law. Chart. He just, he just, there's a bunch of people throwing paper in the air. At yeah, that point. he just, just threw it out the window at that point. Like, I, I love, I love watching the arguments on the ethics of artificial intelligence when these things get introduced because it's like you can, you literally see like half the room just like just, just get up and walk out. But, um, you know, I guess to go back in, in this is kind of along the lines of, you know, what we've been kind of dancing around is these, these ideas of like, is a frame, 
is a frame capable? I mean, like in and so like when you when you're talking about laws of robotics, you know, if you're taking a true Asimovian approach, these are not these are not axioms that are allowed to be like that. You can't get around them. They are in the base, 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 base programming, um, and so you know, and that's arguably not how real programs work uh, because everything is kind of configurable if you know what you're doing with within programs. Um, and so this is kind of the interesting thing. And then this goes back to what, you know, green's response to, to pens and chat was, you know, we don't really have, we don't have examples of this. Like we, we don't, we actually have examples of frames doing the exact opposite of this, uh, with the iron lords for guys. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, with, uh, with Rasputin, uh, you know, kind of a nod to the upcoming DLC that we're going to see, you know, that's probably going to be a, that's probably going to be a component of it since it's going to be around war mines. And one of the big things that war mines do is they control military assets. Well, frames are assets that have military purpose. Um, and so like, I, I mean, as much as I love the idea of like the Asimovian laws uh, and laws of robotics in, in destiny i i really have to agree with the green i don't think they apply what does the presence of non-human uh elements right yeah yeah and then, those laws I right mean, yeah yeah and that's that's another green go for it no i was just gonna say the, here's a question for you are frames self-sustaining what do you mean like are they able to repair themselves well, and frames are um Rasputin calls frames one of his, right? Because they were originally part of Rasputin military directive, right? Uh, well, I, I, I took I took that particular. Are you talking about when he's confronting the stranger, or well, what yeah, was you're not, the stranger? You're not one of mine. I, yes. I assume that he was talking to an EXO, right? But if frames, here's where I'm going with this: if okay. frames are part of Rasputin and Rasputin controls them, or at least he used to control them, we do know he can retake control of them because the way he used them during the iron lord battle uh or back back in mm-hmm. the uh, dark Ages, the siva crisis um is rasputin still controlling part of the programming is there like a radio signal where rasputin sends it out and controls the frames or can rasputin regain control of the frames i mean we know he can modify electronics he already did it with our ghost Yes, I do mean like Arecibo. Dun dun dun. Yeah, so it would be interesting to see if Rasputin would take control of the city frames. We do know there's tampering going on with the city frames, but that that goes to our scannable that we were talking about earlier. Which if you wanted to, we could actually bring that up now. Yeah, let's do. So in the tower in the hangar over by pretty much underneath future war cult and right before you get to dead orbit there is a scannable there's a rack of red jack 9940s which by the way the red jacks do have slight modifications compared to the other 9940s they are more heavily armored plus they have a different kind of eye so sweeperbot has just a very blue a blue bulbous like type eye that is square 
and the 9940s that are red jacks have that same square, but there's slight shielding going around the outside of them, and they have a red beam that travels up and down the eye like it's constantly scanning. All oh, it's a fun little fact, all of the even the dead frames have that, that red line going up and down in hmm. Destiny. Yeah, I, I went back and played uh, Homecoming the other day, and I noticed that all that of makes, the dead frames still have it. makes sense, because a lot of those dead frames would be red jacks. Yes. But uh, I, just the fact that they're dead, the, the line's still moving, the scanning is still happening. I just thought that was interesting. But uh, there's some tampering that has been happening on that that rack. So the ghost scans it and says, somebody's been trying to modify it one of Shaq's Red Jacks, but all of the interface history shows is accessed by other frames. And I lost my thing real quick. Uh, other frames, Arcite and Dahlia, it's, it says over and over, Arcite and Dahlia. So could Rasputin be trying to remotely modify or is Arcite and Dahlia modifying them? Are Arcite and Dahlia compromised? Well, and I guess, see, and I guess, I guess I read, well, right. And, but that goes back to, if you look on Ishtar, if you look up Dahlia, um, you know, if you look at Dahlia, she has a tendency to overwrite the frames, right? You know, like I, and I think Arcite or Arkite, however you want to say it, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I um, that's a good question, and I, 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 I don't know necessarily if it's as nefarious as we're, we're thinking. We're thinking mm-hmm. because Archite and Dahlia have have been given basically, you know, command of Red Jacks. Like they're 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 second only to Shacks. It seems. Right. As far as that. And so when when you're dealing with the Red Jacks, I think you have to take into consideration that Archite and Dahlia both are probably going to be the the um the ones that are doing most of the reprogramming. Um but I can the definitely see with only- Benedict, I can definitely see with Benedict being right. present that being kind of painted in a a darker tone. It can be. I mean, it could be taken a few different ways. It could be there's somebody trying to modify one of them by messing with the programming via satellite reprogramming. It could be uh, literally the Benedict is trying to modify another one of the frames to be able to help with his directive, whatever that may be. It could be Arcite and Dahlia are just experimenting, which that would imply creativity or anything like that on one of the frames. Yeah, and I mean, that kind of throws out the entire semantic debate that we had too. Because if Archite mm-hmm. and Dahlia are are able to do that on their own, then that arguably paints a picture of their having gained enough of these quirks and personalities that they've actually transcended mimicry, mimicry and are arguably generating their own 
The way I read it is I don't think Dahlia and Arsite are the ones actually doing the modifications to the tampering is what it kind of implies. I don't think it's those two. I just think those two are the only ones that have been recorded recently and that they're missing whoever actually was messing with it. So I actually think, uh, like, Dahlia specifically, like, I think Dahlia um, has been, for lack of a better word, tricked out by by shacks to a certain degree. Um, she's the, the only frame who can, um, uh, can I, can I phrase this? Um, upload combat orders to other frames. And, um, I think she only is able to be, to be modified by our site. Is that correct? Um, I don't know like if we ever get the that answered because you also when Dahlia is spoken of in some of the ghost fragments from Destiny 1 you see the engineers having conversations about when they try to like resync her with the the Redjack network I guess if you could call it that how she's like she keeps overriding others that they sync up with her like her programming for whatever reason is just really stubborn. Um, and yes, I just anthropomorphized programming, so you can call me out on that. Um, but like they, they are talking about like how, when they, when they go to resync her, it, it causes a lot of problems. And that's when that was kind of when they started actually deferring to her as the alpha designate, because yeah. they're like, you know, if he, if she keeps coming back, you know, mm-hmm. obviously something's going right. So So it it's uh well this is in the the Destinypedia personality and traits section for for Dahlia. And it says maybe we should give her alpha permissions, let her call formations. Give it another week. If she comes back, we'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And that's the technicians that worked on her. But um as she as she went through so much combat, her her learned expertise became so vast that they let her begin to kind of organize um, combat tactics. Um, and I could I could see there being, I mean, there's not a there's not an official one, but I could. I could see there being a designate of a command frame. You know what I mean? All it would really take is a bigger, you know, computing capacity. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a I little mean, more armor, a, a little, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not that far fetched to think that they could, um, you know, trick out a frame uh, who had made it through so many battles to, to be able to to link with more frames and I think what all is well and Dahlia is also the one that has the the amazingly hilarious line in a, a Ghost Fragment Asylum. She's talking to a Titan. They're getting ready to uh, may are getting ready to retake a 
retake a training ground and the titan says i asked for more guardians but they only gave me you the city needs more training grounds and together that's what we'll provide <laughs> dahlia's response is i might do that or i might explode and the titan then kind of goes back and it's like that's all i ask <laughs> which kind of kind of makes me think that the titan is actually shacks but it's like <laughs> i think it is because i think that <laughs> just love that conversation the, <laughs> the beginning of the crucible finding the crucible grounds uh here's i want to make one correction earlier i said that the festival of the lost sweeper bot was also yellow it's not it was orange so all of d1 sweeper bots that were in the tower were orange with yellow highlights and all of d2 sweeper bots are yellow hmm. okay someone got a paint job that, yeah so that that may not be a huge huge big deal but it it could theoretically be a possible hint, but unlikely. Just wanted to clarify, though. And also another clarification, uh, Justin, the the comment that you had about the alpha designate, that is from Ghost Fragment Skyshock. Uh, that's where you also hear them refer to her as the antiquity. And also the quote of, you can pull more fallen blades and bullets out of her chassis than Shaq's armor. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that one. She actually, she actually apparently has more missions than Arkite does. Uh, so yeah, she's she's logged more than 40 missions and she keeps coming back. And this is, I mean, so to put that in perspective though, Red Jacks are dispensable. Like, they, and that's that's the reason they're frames is because they're, they're sent in on basically suicide missions to retake these things. Um, you know, we see, oh, what was it? I think it's Ghost Fragment Burning Shrine where Archite is re, uh, uh, recapping the mission where frames were up against Vex and like they are just getting decimated except for Archite and Dahlia. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, the fact that Dahlia keeps coming back is an interesting thing. Uh, the other one that kind of came back or, uh, the other kind of nod to Dahlia is actually in ghost fragment last exit. Uh, so that is where you see her, um, again, kind of as the last Jack standing, you know, um, and you also see that she's a, she's described as being a natural for modifying foundry gear. So kind of tying that back into the, the, what we started on here. Um, they say she's a natural for modifying foundry gear. Her combat numbers are through the roof and Dahlia's Dahlia's the last Jack standing. And maybe it's for the best because the new frames have trouble data linking with her and archive. The two of them have been around since the beginning and their heuristic systems just keep rewriting everything. So like just, just by data linking with Dahlia and archive, the newer form, the newer frames of red Jacks, uh, are are pretty much rewritten. Uh, and that's arguably because of those heuristic systems. Um, and, and she's described as some, as a frame that quote, just helps just by being out there. Uh, so, you know, she, by calling those and I am assuming that's going back to that calling formations type stuff. She's the prime designate, you know, in the field, she's kind of the commanding, if you will, the commanding officer for the red jacks, and so, yeah, and and so going back to the tower scan where you see, and Green, I see what you're saying about how you're reading it. So mm-hmm. They say someone's been trying to modify one of Shaq's Red Jacks, 
but all the interface. So I, I see that I didn't I didn't catch that actually the first time I read it. I, I thought they were saying Arkite and Dahlia were trying to read, but they they are making a distinction there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that so basically someone is trying to hack the Red Jacks, which is that's uh, that that opens up a whole nother can of worms, especially oh, yeah. with with the DLC that we're getting in May. Um, not just Benedict. I mean, because Benedict's kind of described. You know, a lot of people assume that it's the loyalists that are reprogramming him or callous reprogram, you know, whoever. And then that's not even taking into consideration Rasput. Like the war mind itself is trying to modify the regex, like, you know, or, well, possibly, possibly modify. We don't know if he's still trying to do that. Well, no, but I mean, that, that's what I mean though, is we don't, that. we don't know, you know, and we know that Rasputin has, has uh, <laughs> has remoted into red or into frames before, so uh-huh. it's not um, Justin. Sorry, I didn't see you, Justin. Oh no, it's okay. I I just wondered, Blue. I had a question for you. Did you read the the word um, heuristic in the traditional sense of the definition or the computer science? I think that they're presenting it as the, the, um, I mean, they're kind of, you're kind of the same, right? I mean, heuristic is just basically the process of learning something for themselves. And so when you're talking about heuristic, heuristic processing, uh, that's, that's very akin to machine learning. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, so like it's basically you, you gain information, through experience um it's how i kind of was how i kind of read it um yeah yeah that's that's kind of how i read it but the the computer science definition was a little different it was it was a lot more pragmatic it was it was basically um uh, a technique for design for solving a problem more quickly when classic methods are too slow or for finding an approximate solution when classic classic methods fail to find any exact solution. Yeah, but I mean, even so, you know, to kind of dive into that just for a second, like even that particular definition still at the base of it is about discovery through experience. It's just it's tapping into a in a uh, a program's capacity to run through alternatives extremely fast um it's it's past results and then mm-hmm. and it calculates it, it like it, it can yeah. it can uh um like an algorithm God, what's, what's the word that i'm looking for yeah it's kind of it's um uh, it's like a projection it it it, it can project it's uh, da, 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 da. so i guess in destiny terms what the vex are doing in the infinite forest is a heuristic process because they're testing theories out and they're projecting um it can approximate uh, yeah approximate outcomes based on information that they have um and so like a heuristic function is you know right it's it's basically logarithms that are um are being examined it's such a it's such a a that is rab- the rabbit warren of, yeah, of a I thing that my my window went <laughs> i was like i'm sorry 
Uh, I mean, like, is like, I mean, so, so like in machine, I mean, heuristics is the basis of all machine learning and artificial intelligence. Like, I mean, that that's like the, the entire crux of the entire concept. And I kind of um, feel like it, if it was the crux of human learning, we might be oh, better off, but <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of is right. I mean, heuristic, heurist, heuristics is literally the process of learning through experience. Now, whether or not get in trouble saying this whether or not you retain the information that you gain is a completely different conversation but the process of learning through experience i mean this is the like in in regards to humanity you know everyone as a kid put their hand on a on a stove right you know like the and yeah. if you're if you were unlucky enough you had the coil the the, mm-hmm. the stupid coil no, i hate those things i actually had a, a gas range oh okay yeah grandma, you actually tried to light yeah. yourself on fire yeah my grandma well that's funny you should say that my grandma ran the gas range in the kitchen every morning before we got up to make the kitchen warm and i got up one morning and i was warming myself and had one of those cool t-shirts you know the ones it was short sleeved, yeah, and it had uh, the the solid color in the middle, and then the different colored sleeves, and then the hood of the same color. And it was I was warming myself. I turned around, I caught my hood on fire. Oh, no. and I walked into the other, I walked into the other room, and my brother started beating my ass. And then I didn't know why, but he was putting me out. And um, yeah. On a side note. Green and I are going to start a techno pop band called the Heuristics. Um, yes. Yes. That's Sorry. my contribution. That's just, um, Sorry. That's just, the scary thing is I knew exactly when you were saying your grandpa did the, the gas stove thing. I'm like, I, yeah, I know exactly. Oh, I, I my, my grandparents, that. my grandparents did the same thing with theirs. Um, but yeah, like heuristics, heuristics is, you know, I mean, it, it's arguably one of the underlying foundation blocks to not just machine learning, but I mean, any, any process of gaining information and, and not even just gaining information because heuristics takes it further. It's not just, I get the data back. It's, I take that data and I actually re turn around and apply it back into the world. And that changes my perception of the world and how I interact with it. And that's where machine learning comes from is because this is this is all about uh, putting a machine in a, a position that there isn't um, there isn't in a logarithm already designed. Uh, you see this a lot with the the idea of teaching robots how to play chess, teaching robots how to, you know, I mean, um, I was just listening to uh, a couple TED talks about chat box chat bots and like how they're programming them to be conversationalist conversationalistic um and so like what what a lot of uh what a lot there's a there's a bot that i'm i'm kind of working on right now with our company in which you you literally can ask it a question like our internal associates can ask it a question they don't have to if you're in our discord server you know you have to put in a a specific command to get a uh uh, cookie cutter response back from the bot. We're kind of taking that further, and we're saying if you can ask it a, a question, we you allow that that machine, that AI uh, program, to register that the question can come in a variety of different ways. It doesn't have to be in a set format. And so then what that takes is that takes that question, reformats it back into a basic command. And then applies it to the information that it has, and then provides an answer to that. 
And so you have a much more conversationalist. You see this a lot with uh, Cortana, with Siri, with uh, what's the what's the other one? Um, Alexa is Alexa, the Amazon mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, you see you see that that conversationalistic step. That's that's part of the heuristic machine learning process is is that, you know, and uh, Justin was talking about earlier with uh, Siri, how it starts gaining it, it starts understanding the quirks of the operator. That's heuristic learning. You know, that's this is this is all machine learning that is kind of gaining gaining information and using that information to reformat its experience of the world and then reformat how it is interacting with the world. That is at the core that is heuristics. But I think Green, you wanted to jump into <laughs> I think you I called it have... the notorious whistling protocol. Well, okay. And D one is my it's one of my favorite things that I that sweeper bot did <laughs> is if you go and stand by the sweeper bot and it'll still do it to this day in D one. The sweeper bot between the main area and the hangar, if you go and stand by it, sometimes they'll start to try to whistle. <laughs> and it's the most pathetic try to whistle type thing ever. But we had an upgrade on that in D2 where the whistling protocol got fixed and they have the coolest whistling that they can do, or at least that I, one. I, I think, bot can do. I mean, to be fair though, what's really cool about that sweeper bot is the, is the physical context in which we find that sweeper bot. Oh my God. The fact that he's a ninja. He's a ninja. He took out all, all the cabal around him. And then just proceeded to sweep and swipe the blood all over the ground. I just love that part where it's but if you, Oh my if you God. look, if you look at, if I remember, I'm, I'm trying to remember, but isn't like this part that he's sweeping completely clean? Like everywhere no. else, is, there's like no. gore. Is it, did it? Did it? No. Get, okay, he's wiping the blood on the ground. It's like paint brushing. <laughs> he's just painting the blood of his enemies all over the floor because he is that gruesome of a character. He is the most man disrespectful character in the game no, i just um, love bites bites everything else is broken but we fixed that yeah well whether or not we fixed it or not that's well, fair i mean maybe he just got okay. tired of waiting for us to fix it well i mean there's the there's also kind of the idea of lysander took his broom away from him originally which is a whole nother kind of tangent you can take this on if the writers really wanted to go down this road Lysander could have been the one to take it originally. He gets his broom back because we give him his broom back after Festival of the Lost. Then Sweeperbot just disappears. At least that one, because Sweeperbot didn't disappear. The one between the hangar and the and the bay or in the middle area didn't disappear. There appeared another Sweeperbot, the one that was standing by the postmaster, that was missing it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's. Yeah. There were two sweeper bots in the tower at that point. And then after Festival of the Lost, that sweeper bot by the postmaster is gone. So Lysander took the broom originally. Could Lysander have messed with them continually after that? I don't know. That's they <laughs> they could make that happen and make that another thing with the con- Yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's a fun concordat tangent that we can go down oh my gosh that would be really kind of interesting as the concordat's just playing tricks on all the sweeper bots 
or the you know, that is actually, inciting that... with Callus and Sweetheart uh, had the beginning of Lysander. his programming started before Lysander, yeah. Lysander, Lysander was, would. If he was with Callus and he started reprogramming Sweeperbot, which fixed the whistling protocol, and all the cabal that were killed around him were Red Legion cabal. There weren't any of Callus's cabal necessarily, because Callus wasn't even technically active at that point. Yeah. The other the other thing that you also that also makes me think of is um if you remember Bannerfall, um there was a sweeper bot on Bannerfall that was imprisoned. Oh, it I was, forgot about that. <laughs> poor sweeper bot is like stuck in a closet and it can't go anywhere. Felt bad for that thing. Interesting. And it so was on the have, Concordat side of the map. Yeah. I have one fun little fact factoid about Sweeperbot before we start to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. The there's one quote from the Festival of the Lost that and there's actually a lot of references to it, but this quote really strongly references Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the but in that <laughs> sweep of, of death, death. Yeah. Uh-huh. What dreams may come, which actually is a reference to Hamlet's speech, the to be or not to be. There's a line that says or in that sleep, not sweep, sleep, S-L-E-E-P, of death, what dreams may come. So our sweeper bot is kind of a Hamlet character. Kind yeah, of but isn't, like, I'm trying to remember, isn't who is the thief? Wasn't that something? Also in Shakespeare? There's, there's No, like, it's not necessarily Shakespeare, but... I know there's, uh, there's I know there's logic problems with or like logic problems with who is the thief. But wasn't there Oh, as far as whether or not Lysander took it? No, 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 no. There's a quote that or, says uh one of the sweeper uh, bots quote is who is the thief? Who is the thief? Yes. Or is that? Who is the thief? Who is the yeah. thief? And like I swear there was that was a that was another nod to a I can't find it right now. And then there's the ever famous what's the broom say? Broom, 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 broom. I love that. <laughs> I, like, the only joke we ever get from Sweeperbot. I mean, there's, yeah, there's so many like slight nods to Shakespearean type right. Uh, All dark is lost. Candle. All is lost. Mm-hmm. Life is meaningless. <laughs> they celebrate lost souls, but what about lost things? Mm-hmm. The other wow. thing is, here's the another thing that makes me wonder if. Sweeperbot already had some tampering happening. Is there's a line that says malfunctional frame will mm-hmm. report for recycling. So if he went to the recycling afterwards, which that could theoretically be like, okay, I don't have my broom, so I can't complete my directive, so I'm malfunctioning. That could mean that, but it could also mean that a he's got something else happening to him. He's being tampered with, or maybe they pick him up out of the recycling bin and start messing with him. I don't. That poor sweeper bot. But to this day, the best piece of NPC dialogue from a frame is from Katie, fifty-five thirty. <laughs> Which one? Which one? Uh, it has like tons of good ones. The, what is the a best one. what is a zur? Uh, mm-hmm. Inappropriate picture message. <laughs> <from Perry. laughs> 
I forgot about that one. <laughs> well, That's then, my favorite one. Uh, is it Roni is the quarterback? Like, Roni has a couple really good ones that Kate, Kate is constantly trying to get Roni to approve things that it's not supposed to. And, like, there's a couple idle dialogues from Roni that are like, stop. Stop, Cade. I will report you. And it's just, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, Katie Katie has a lot of good ones. Uh, books? Titan books? <laughs> the Warlock books float. Titan books are as heavy as rocks. Yeah. Titan books are rocks. That's actually thought, a Katie one. I thought... Wasn't the inappropriate? All right, I'm gonna have to look this up now because, yeah, it's uh, full of rocks, books, books for the Titans, too heavy. <laughs> oh, and it, then Katie, apparently, Katie likes saying, "Oh dear, oh dear." Message for yeah. Shacks. Message for Shacks. Oh dear, he hits. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, Katie and Shacks are involved in a domestic. So. <laughs> Shax is a yeah. That's sad. He's pretty close at Shax. He's pretty close to Shaft. Um, oh. Shaft like to hit hit people. So I'm just saying. Uh, I like package for the warlock. Stop floating. Bad package. <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> bad package. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I think I I, I want to say that it was Roni that actually had the the quote about Cade. About what? The inappropriate. No, that's a Katie. Really? God, if we have a yeah. frame uprising, there's actually, so many. Cade's so dead. If we have a oh, frame Cade, Cade, like Cade is like playing tricks on all of them. Like it's he's just, gonna like, be the first to die <laughs> if the frames uprise because they're just gonna end that. They're, going, they're going after him. <laughs> Actually, Destinypedia has no. I was gonna say they don't have anything. NPC, for Roni. yeah, main, t- yeah, doesn't have anything. Hmm. Well, so I guess the the debate still comes down to: is Benedict a traitor? Mm. I don't want to split hairs. Um. Well, a couple of weeks ago, someone stole my Bluetooth set. I don't feel like my Bluetooth headset is betraying me right now. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just think that there's a possible conversion of an asset. Whether or not that's a tr- means technically traitor or not traitor. Oh, no. He's still a yeah, bad sure. guy at this point. He is. Oh, he ain't a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I guess he that's, is creepy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, well he's done. creepy. I mean, well done, uh, and it bugs for me. Animation. Yeah, and his, it bugs me. His, his his programming like description is like driving me in the, up a wall. Oh, uh, like what it means? The AMP semicolon. Yeah. So like, I mean, like there's there's a weird combination of like HTML uh, character it's, class. And then just like random stuff. I think wasn't it someone that was like, "Yeah, this is Hollywood. Hollywood OS <laughs> is what it was." Yeah, I was like, I "Yeah, it's kind of." Like I'm that. like, "That's kind of kind of the feeling I'm starting to get with it." Um, Look, I I blue. I'm I'm a little upset, and I don't know how you could be so callous. 
Oh. Oh. Well, okay. We haven't had many puns this episode. It's fine. Um, he is definitely untrustworthy. Yeah. And he's, I mean, like, I guess the, the thing too is like some of his, some of the, so first off, finding quotes by, from Benedict is next to impossible. FYI for anyone out there. Um, it's really annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. so I did, I did manage to find black flag. Do you rather you speak in binary? Uh, I like R2D2, so you should probably be careful what you ask me. Binary is uh, easier to decipher. Yeah. The uh but like there's there's some quotes that I really liked from from him. Uh, you know, like all these lights could be shed. There's there's a lot of quotes of his that tie into the shadows of Callus that we know of. Um you know, like you are traveler spawn. That kind of goes back to Feltrock, who refers to guardians as traveler spawn. Uh, you know, you have no idea what is coming. When a shadow falls, another rises. Uh, all these lights could be shadows, and and so there's a lot of kind of like, um... <laughs> yeah, I'm obligated to remind you not to talk about classified operations in public spaces, which is a weird one if you think about I it. I love it. I love it's that such- one. That's such a strange quote for him to say if he's like spying on us or whatever and sending back. But he's not. But he's not spying on us. He's spying on the tower, and we are we are now associates associated with him. Oh, we are, so we are, he's we are us not running. To talk about yeah. palace. Right. To we them. are. We are. We are the ones carrying out the classified operations. So he is. It's basically we. He is our handler. If you think about right. it. Right. That's okay. Which so kind of paints it, sense. which paints it also in a bit of a different picture because that means that any guardian who does business with him, they're traitors. They don't even know they are on the wrong side. Yeah, and that, and that I mean, that's again, that goes back to Callus too, you know. Callus uh, views everything as kind of this, you know, it's, it's a, it's a amorphous, universe well, and there's not everything really everything can be bought in callus's eyes yeah everything emperor emperor callus owns the path mm-hmm. so i mean it's, there's there's some amazing quotes from benedict uh and one of the one of the big ones is you know he he refers to the Leviathan when you first i think it was when you first in, in, encounter him he says you have completed the challenge of the emperor he is amused by your potential you have greatness in your future and perhaps someday but that is not for i a humble servant to say embrace his name all glory to the emperor you know and i I think that i think that introduces the idea that you know he benedict is truly um has been truly placed there not just as a spy but also as a uh uh, bah, 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 a Trojan Trojan horse, if you will, to convert others to the emperor. His graciousness. I'm sorry. That kind the the talk this the uh, reap the reward emperor, from his highness. Uh, I, that just kind of and. Speaking of drives me crazy, the animation where you, when you click into him, whether you're clicking X or you're clicking square or whatever, to open up his dialogue to interact with him, 
him facing down and just that slight head turn where the eye turns red and looks at you, that is the creepiest, creepiest animation I have ever seen in a video game to date. Period. Do I have a clap or a clip? A clip of that. <laughs> I can make a clip of that. Do I have Whoa. a clip of that? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's on that note, <laughs> on that note, o'clock. it's late o'clock. Um, we actually have been asked to kind of wrap up. Uh, Justin, I know you had a couple things. I have I have an early morning as well tomorrow. Um, what what are we missing on Benedict just to kind of bring it back into a conclusion real quick? I think we I think we covered most of it, but I wanted to. Well, there's so little written evidence at this point because we're on the we're creating history right now, and Benedict is a new character, so there's nothing in archives, which is what I kind of wanted to point out in the summary. Mm. It's all observation and keeping an eye on the little bugger. All right. Well, let's run through shoutouts then, shall we? Yeah. What do you got, Green? Uh, my shout out goes to the Bungie animated Ada animating team for making a creepy, creepy robot. And apparently I have to go find a clip of it for Blue <laughs> because he wants it. I want it. I needs it. Mm. Give it's, also, to us. it's also for having Justin. <laughs> he just giggles at the background. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Justin, did you did you watch the clip that we were that we sent you from last week's episode? Uh uh-uh. uh what did you send me? Oh God, the the monster hunter clip, <laughs> the monster the, hunter the monster one, hunter, the the dragon. Oh no! All right, should, I'll I'll, I'll send it to dragon. you. Go find it, but uh, um, it's, this is apparently just, the entire reason that Beard really got excited. He wanted to hear your reaction to it. Was it Bife was it the, also got really excited? Yeah, Bife, Bife actually did get excited for it too. Was it was it the Wiggler helmet? No, no, no but we did talk about the Wiggler helmet. We did talk about the Wiggler helmet. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm watching it real quick before I do my shout out. Yes, which I know yeah. leave super, leave your leave your mic on because everyone wants to know your reaction to it, which I know I'm, is super professional. I'm going <laughs> to kind of talk a little bit over while he's watching it, and I'm sure he's going to interrupt me with a reaction here anytime soon, but. If you guys are listening Spikey? to this, make sure that you give a shout out to Mylan for putting together the survey. And thank Ooh, you to anybody too. in our community <laughs> who responded to Mylan's survey. Uh-uh. <laughs> He's been uh, compiling all that information to take to Bungie to let them know so that they're <laughs> I love this. I love having like my dialogue and then just him in the background, like so gross. I'm dying. Uh, but thank you to those of you who responded to that survey. You guys are awesome. Mylan's breaking down all 4,000 uh, responses, and I'm sure he has more because I know Bike put out a video pretty recently about it too. So thank yeah. you for those of you who responded to that survey. Um, that helps us present our case to Bungie to help make the game more oh, what we tongue. want it to be. 
post that video, Justin? That is awful. <laughs> uh, we should put a link of that in the chat so they can watch it. That was so wrong. It's that so was so funny. wrong. But then uh, at the end, will. he was like, lick, lick. Like, <laughs> like, how creepy is the snake? He's like, I'm just going to look at you and taste the air. So, so creepy. So, Justin, what, what shout-outs do you have? Okay, so this is going to seem weird coming from me, but all week long I've had a YouTube obsession, and it has known no bounds. And I have an, I've got a shout-out, and that's to the Mighty Mongoose, because the I've been addicted. Mongoose. I've been addicted to mongoose versus cobra videos. Oh yeah. There is there is one in particular from the Smithsonian channel where the mongoose does like this crazy backflip over the it's it's nuts. It's nuts. So mongoose do what you do. You do you. If 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 a mongoose had a Patreon, I'd go broke. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, and also, I can just imagine what the mongoose patron mongoose is hunting uh, cobras. <laughs> mongoose, mongoose hates snake. You hate snake, love mongoose. <laughs> that that would be what it would look like, and then you'd be like, love mongoose, hate snake. Thanks, mongoose. Kill snake. Mongoose, kill snake. Thank you. Mongoose, love you. Hate snake. Love mongoose. Love letter by Justin. <laughs> Ricky, ticky, ticky. Yes. Oh, I hate those. Those are. I think actually those two snakes and Ricky, ticky, tag, Ricky, ticky, tabby, Nag and Nagaina might be my source of my hate for snakes, because the one snake was like, "We'll stay by the toilet and kill the man because when he poops." He will not have the fire stick. <laughs> so creepy. So now there's nightmares for anybody listening to the episode. That's exactly how that sounds. Watch for Well, then Nagina is like, I'm going to go after the kid. Yeah. yeah. And then Ricky Dickie Dab is like, oh, I'm going to kill all your kids. Just jump on your kids. Oh, and God, he's just yeah, jumping right. on them. It's. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah! Killing baby snakes is fun. <laughs> comments, comments by Justin are not endorsed or supported by Focus Fire Chat. Look, I stand by this. You can put bow ties and hats and monocles on them all you. They're still cold-blooded, legless, soulless, freaking demons of. Sp- hell <laughs> that's my shout out I, I don't feel like I shouted <laughs> that's out that's my shout out shout out to snakes yeah and also shout out to everybody who did not harass me for falling asleep two weeks in a row so yeah <laughs> well uh, like I said at the beginning uh, we are actually taking next week off but the poll is up this weekend uh, for the following topic after that. And then other than that, just, you know, 
like like you guys have been saying, thank you so much for the amazing feedback, actually. Um, listening to Mylan as he goes through and compiles a lot of that, it's there's a there's been a significant amount of really good feedback. Uh, and it's it's just it's really cool seeing um, a lot of people come together and and offer really constructive criticism. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's criticism, but it's very constructive. The vast majority of it. So, um, now we're talking God of War, uh, but yes, so definitely that. And then, like I said, I think most of us are going to be taking off here pretty shortly, but we will stick around as always for a, a very short out uh, after show. So here we go. After show. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any questions or comments for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. (laughs) 